Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Robert Nunziato, head of sales and ops at Sunbit. Robert, man, thanks for being so on the on the podcast. I love meeting you in San Antonio the other day. Uh, I see that you went to Fordham University. Uh, I know that Colin Powell went there. You probably didn't meet him. And you were a fencer. You worked at a place to help folks get interesting spaces for different events. And then you went from Brooklyn to LA. I would love to hear a good origin story about that. Yeah. Where, where do you want me to start? I can start with, uh, I can start with fencing if you want. Um, I, I, I never met Colin Powell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, start it, start at fencing. I'd love to hear more about it and, and take me sure. through the story to some bit. Sure. I'll try and get from fencing to, to some bit, uh, in as few steps as possible. It's like the uh, Kevin Bacon game. Um, I grew up between New York and London. Uh, my dad was a foreign exchange broker, so we were back and forth. This was pre-Euro, so trying to time it. And uh, when uh, when we moved to London as a family, they put me into a school. And if you're thinking London school, Hogwarts, like nailed it. Um, their big sport was fencing. So, you know, uh, they send us off to a fencing tournament. They tell everyone, you know, you're not going to be good at it, but if you if you happen to do well, if you happen to win, we'll give you one of your own swords. Foil, it's called. Uh, I won. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what I was doing. It just I found a sport that I happened to be good at. I, you know, I was okay mm -hmm. at all sports. I was okay at soccer, but fencing, I was good at. I don't know why. And uh, so when we moved back to New York, I wanted to continue to pursue this sport. I found this thing that I liked that I was good at, and walked into the first kind of local club. And because it's New York, it's going to be where the old. Olympic team was training. This was pre Athens 04. So it was the, the guys who were, you know, the Olympic team going to Athens and their coach, the Olympic coach was there. And so I happened to start training there and, and getting to train with, you know, the, the coach who was training the Olympic team. Um, and, and a lot of the best talent was in New York. A lot of the other best talent was in LA. It's a coastal sport. Um, hmm. You know, you can read into that however you like uh, in terms of like the, the demographics <laughs> of the sport. But, uh, I, I continued to do that sport for 12 years until I was in my early 20s, um, competed nationally, internationally, um, national champion, won the junior Olympics. Yeah, a great run as well. Doing that sport a lot allowed me to, you know, see the world in a really cool way. Um, but at a certain point, uh, you know, during college, I decided time to focus on other things. You know, there's not a, a great market for professional fencer. Uh, it's not going to pay the bills. It's not going to pay the bills. Yeah, <laughs> it does not pay the bills. Um, surprise. So uh, at Fordham, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, um, you know, communication sports. I liked movies. It's got a good communication program. But while I was there, I got connected with some guys who are uh, working in you know tech start you know, tech startup. That was that was kind of I wanted to work in a tech startup. Mm -hmm. um, got connected with some friends who were the first employee at a company called Space, where you mentioned it. Uh, that company was a fun company based out of a WeWork in Brooklyn, you know, all of the things that you think of when you think kind of Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. you know, they're like surrounded by 10 dog food companies. Um, and our product was basically putting people into spaces, uh, for short-term non-residential stays, uh, because space in general is an underutilized asset. If you, uh, look at any given home, you know. 80% of the square footage is often mm -hmm. underused by a family. So, and a lot of times it's just sitting empty during the day we go to work and our house is empty. So how can we use that? You know, how can we monetize these assets that we have photo shoots, events, productions, meetings? So, 
um, that, that was part of the goal was to use it. It was, it was founded actually by um, a couple of Israeli technical and, and uh, technical founders and also architects who had all grown up in kibbutzes and had this understanding of kind of shared space. Um, I'm, I'm touching on the Israeli piece because the way I ended up connecting with the folks at Sunbit where I am now, what I moved to uh, LA to do, uh, which is a totally different space, financial technology. Uh, I got connected to them through uh, some of the Israeli, you know, executives at Splacer who also knew some of the executives at Sunbit, which also has an Israeli R&D arm, uh, although it's an American company uh, at its core and is serving, uh, you know, building an American product in the United States. Right. But that, that's how I ended up with Sunbit, actually. But that, that's the origin story in as few steps as possible. Talk to me through what, what you're seeing in the industry today and how Sunbit fits in the space, right? Because I know there's some traditional FICOs. How does Sunbit fit into the to the current space? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I'll start with, we'll, we'll focus on dental, I guess, just because that's your industry. That's that's our industry. We're also in other industries. We're in automotive mm -hmm. as well. We're in um, healthcare in general, but in dental, financing has always been, relatively speaking, a necessity, right? The average dental treatment costs $1,200. Insurance doesn't cover a lot of it. So most people face some kind of out-of-pocket cost and mm -hmm. everybody has teeth. It's not, you know, the vet where you may or may not have a dog or, you know, med spas where you may or may right. not want Botox. Botox. You, you all have teeth. We all have teeth. We all need to go to the dentist or should go to the dentist. Historically, um, there have been traditional financing companies. They're backed by banks. They're, they look like traditional lenders looking at FICO scores and all of the um, credit mechanisms that we all, you know, know kind of inherently are out there numbers and, and kind of reductive scores that can give someone, you know, basically or a bank an idea of how risky someone is to lend to. Mm -hmm. And those have been used mostly historically to decide, do we give a loan for, you know, buying a home, something large. And that's the, the same credit score that's been used to basically decide for the last 20, 30 years, should we lend to this person to be able to get a crown or to be able to get uh, fillings? And the tools that have been in place for a long time, they've been adopted widely because there was a need. There was a need to help people with financing products. But when we looked at the space, we realized those products, one, because they're built um, to mitigate risk by looking at a relatively simple number, uh, they're not approving most people. They're right. leaving about 50% of people holding the bag saying, hey, I'm not approved. And, and in the process, it's not like fun. It's not easy. It's whatever. But they're leaving most people underserved. And even the people who are applying for it, and getting approved, they're not going through a nice process. So if I'm a staff member in a dental office, I don't love offering it. I'm offering this because sometimes I have to offer it. Sometimes, mm -hmm. like I, I know there's a need. And that's the last 30 years. In the last 10, 15 years, some companies have come in to try and do a few things, either to try to find a way to go down a little bit deeper into the credit spectrum, you know, instead of, and if you know the credit spectrum, zero to 850, um, prime is considered kind of, plus 680, 700, there's, you know, kind of the 650 to 680 near prime. Some of the technology companies that came in said, we'll, we'll go a little deeper, we'll go near prime. So 650 to 680, but no one really consistently found a way to go below 650, which right. about half of the American population, you know, don't touch me in the details, but 99 million Americans fall below 680 FICO. So a lot of people, they found ways to do it a little faster, a little less clunky for the staff, but still, you know, 50, 60% of people not getting approved for financing a dental office, even though they need a cost for treatment. So enter Sunbit, what we've tried to do is build uh, a tool that 
looks at the credit spectrum differently, looks at people differently. And I think this is something that you have experience with, Eric. We look at a person's entire credit history mm-hmm. and we look at recent payments. We look at different things and we use machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to do this intelligently. So the reason we approve Eric for $10,000 in 30 seconds, and that's what our product does is we make a split second decision quickly and easily without impacting mm-hmm. your credit score. The reason we approve you for $10,000 and me for $7,000, I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. It might be because you pay off your phone bill a little faster. It might be because um, you have more emails open. I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, we're able to make these fast decisions to approve everyone above 500 FICO using machine learning, using you know the, the data pits of our you know, nearly a million customers now across thousands, you know, 20,000 businesses that are using Sunbit. We're able to continuously make better decisions to serve a market that traditionally has been underserved and, and approve 85% of people with fair, transparent rates, which is our goal is to basically um, reduce the financial waste that most companies operate with. So not spend on you know, fancy things. If you look the other side of me, we don't have uh, we don't have ping pong tables in the office. We reduce the kind of financial waste that a lot of big you know, companies have. We don't we don't open right. we don't we don't do crazy things um, and pass that on to the end customer and to the business that we're uh, that we're working with to give them a product that we know can help people. Uh, that, that's our goal. You know, we've, we've seen other companies in the market try and create competing products. Uh, we call it waterfall financing, where you take a traditional kind of bank lender and then they staple on a subprime lender. Mm-hmm. And it's a clunky application, but they, they try and kind of create it. What we think we've done is created the waterfall of one um, nice, easy to use, good user experience product that removes all the checks and uh, and yeah. uh, barriers. Well, FICO is such a complicated topic. Um, and, you know, I, I think the problem with FICO is it's it's built on a thin file and a poor file look the same um, under the most. And, and, you know, there might be a good reason that you don't have a lot of credit out there. You might be, there might be a great reason that you're under 650 or 600. Um, there might be a very bad reason too, but I find that, you know, at least in my experience, and, and you know, I, I told you the story about you know Urban Trust Bank and and you know my time with Tarek Brooks and others is if hitting people at a point of need, like I'm I am trying to get my teeth fixed, I am trying to do this versus you know I just need some cash to pay bills is inherently you know we we and I'm again I'm saying don't don't quote me we found it to be inherently less risky because they were attaching value to the thing and they were likely to pay it off. And we use point of need, in fact, as a basis of, of some decision-making, you know, in a previous company. One of the questions that I have, you're the dentist, I'm the patient. I come in, you know, you say, I, I'm going to replace your front six crowns. It's going to be, uh, let's say 15,000. Okay, great. Um, I, I, I apply, I get approved. Great. Now let's say three months in, I'm not happy. I want to hear scenario one is I'm not happy with the dental work, kind of what happens on Sunbit. And then I want to ask it about option two. I'm happy with the dental work, but I stopped paying Sunbit for some reason. It's, yeah. Walk me down what happens to, between Sunbit and the office and Sunbit and the, the client and the client in the office, if you will. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll start with question two because it's the easiest answer. Okay. Sunbit, Sunbit takes on full responsibility for the loan. So there's no recourse to the dentist. If someone stops paying back the loan, they, they didn't do something wrong. We made the decision to issue a loan to that patient, to that customer. And the relationship is now between us and the customer, the dentist was paid. 
Um, now, do you report to the dentist that Eric stopped paying or do you? No, no, we don't. We don't do that. The other thing that's important, though, in that dynamic, there's also no recourse to the customer. The customer took a loan from us. We built the loan in a way that didn't enable them to pay it back. So, so the way our loan product works is we give $15,000, but we require some down payment today. And then we connect to their checking account and we pull the payments automatically. Mm -hmm. So if we're not able to do that, you know, we made a mistake. Maybe we made the, the monthly payment amount. We offered a monthly payment amount that the patient wasn't able to afford. Now we need to use machine learning and all of the tools that I, I talked about who were at the end of the day were a technology company to make a good lending decision. Now we will call the patient. We will email the patient. We will try and draw from their checking account automatically. But if we're unable to do that, there won't be any recourse to the patient in terms of there won't be late fees. There won't be hidden fees. We don't do deferred interest, which balloons up. The patient will never pay sure. more than the amount that we told them they would have to pay. We will try and get them to pay. We will we'll try and sure. ask them to pay, but no one's going after them, nothing like that. We do report to the credit bureau. So we do report. So the worst thing that could happen is if someone doesn't pay off a loan that they took out, it could negatively impact their credit score the same way it could theoretically impact their credit score positively by paying it off. But that's, you know, that's the nature of taking out any loan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So option two is there's no, there's no recourse to this. They're not, they're just not have to give 50% back or anything like that. Okay, great. Great. The option. The question one was what happens if the patient isn't happy with their dental work? And our, our simple policy is if it's as simple as this is a refund scenario, we honor the dentist policy, right? So if, if the dentist says we're going to issue or issue a refund, they'll let us know what amount they need to issue. And, and we'll work with, you know, both sides because we, we have the funds to issue it the right way. If there's a larger problem, if someone is saying, hey, I didn't receive the treatment, we'll contact the dentist and we'll try and understand what happened. We, we've never had a scenario where we've done a chargeback um, and we also take care of the patient. So at the end of the day, you know, we have a good, we have actually a 200 person call center in Las Vegas. It's all employees of Sunbit. And, and to us, that's important when you talk to someone from Sunbit, you're talking to someone from Sunbit. It's not an offshore team. It's not a different company. Um, so we invest in that relationship. If we see a pattern with an office, if we see the same treatment coordinator in an office issuing loans over and over again that you know consistently get disputed by a patient, we'll call the office and say, "Hey, Joe in you know Danny's dental office keeps working with patients and they keep not understanding the the loan and they keep not understanding the treatment and saying that they didn't receive it. We, we may have to stop working with you guys if we can't figure out this issue. So we do have the, the right to say, hey, we're not going to work with this business anymore if we think there's a problem, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. we could end up doing if it's not advantageous to the end patient. But uh, we, we don't have to do that often at all. Yeah. Good. You know, I, we work with Children's Dentistry of Amarillo and Priscilla, the office manager there. We, she signed up with you guys. And I think they added close to $30,000 in treatment the first month. And she raved about how... She loved the process and it's really misunderstood that if you need 1200 or 1500 or, or, you know, $2,000, like there's a big percentage of the population that do not have that cash. Yeah. I mean, what a great, what an easy way to boost collections. Who, who would have thought that uh, getting people to accept treatment would improve the, uh, the <laughs> profitability of an yeah. office. It, it's a kind of novel concept. No, but I mean, yeah. you come from a development background at the end of the day, I, we're, we're happy that I looked at the numbers and they're doing unbelievably well. Part of our premise was we need to make this also easy for the treatment coordinator in the office and we need to provide a great experience, right? If people don't like the product that's built and the user experience, they won't mm -hmm. use it. If it's not easy, they won't use it. So that's that's kind of one of our premises. If we don't make something that's easy for the staff member to just pick up and offer to the patient, and if it's not easy for the patient to go through it, 
even if our lending product is nice, the actual like front end product has to be nice as well. So I'm glad yeah. you made it easy for them. I'm glad they've had a good experience. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Robert, Robert, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I sure appreciate it. I'd love to have you on again and dig into, yeah. I, I really want to hear about more about behind the scenes of what the consumer journey looks like in there. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of documents are they signing? What are they getting and, and things like that. But that, maybe we can do that another day, but thanks yeah. so much for your time, man. I, I enjoyed meeting you and I hope to run into you at the next conference soon. Likewise. Yeah, no, I enjoyed meeting you and it's uh, great to work with you guys. So thank you so much. It was great being on the podcast and excited to work more with Manfred Dental Marketing.